0: The following audio is from Overland Park Community Church. More information about OPCC can be found online at overlandpark.cc. And we've been learning about how people are either in Adam or in Christ. Last week we talked about that, is that there are no in-betweens. A person is either in Adam and all of their sin remains, or they are in Christ and they have been forgiven. And that Jesus stepped in and much like Adam Accomplished a lot, Jesus accomplished much more by paving uh, the road and reversing the curse and paving the road to the much more life where we could live in, an, in a way in which grace reigns in our lives and we are living eternal life in the here and now. And so the question becomes as we've looked at all of this man, how God has, you know, his wrath will come upon mankind. We saw that in the first few chapters he will give a person, if a person rejects and suppresses the truth, he'll give that person over to really a depraved thinking and delusional thought, and a person can just keep spiraling uh, down that pathway of delusion. And then we talked about, okay, there's justification that comes in, but how does all this impact us in the here and now? Well, it's all about growth. And so we see that when it comes to following Jesus, there are are three significant aspects of that. One, there is justification. That's where God changes us and changes our position, our status, and we now have the righteousness of Christ. And then there's, once that takes place, it's called sanctification. We start this growth process, and we're spiritually growing. And that goes on until we get to the final phase, which is glorification, and we take on um, the uh, immortality the way that Jesus has already taken it on. And so as we're going through this thing called life, we're in this phase of sanctification. Now, when it comes to all human beings, regardless of their, whether they're believers or not believers, all human beings need three things. They need to believe, they need to belong, and they need to become. And so they need to believe in something or someone. And so for us, that is Jesus we believe and we uh, believe in him as, as the Messiah. But if a person does not believe that Jesus is, is the Messiah, they will believe in something and they will wholeheartedly sell out to whatever that thing is. It could be, um, and, and again, some of the things that they do, we're not saying they're unholy, but anything apart from Christ is unholy. So if a person replaces believing in Jesus um, with something else, it could be like taking care of animals, you know, uh, that are uh, working in an animal shelter or whatever, just like their whole life can be consumed about that. It could be about, you know, the the planet itself and taking care of the the planet and their whole, all of their passion is in that. It could be about sports and their kids and all of their passion can go into that. And they begin to believe in something or someone. And then they need to belong to something. Um, and for us, again, for believers, the hope is that, you know, you belong to the church. And the church is such a vital uh, part of your, your spiritual growth. The sanctification process, being a part of the local church is uh, incredibly important. But if a person is not a part of a local church, and they say, oh, well, I don't need that, notice this about their life. They will belong to something else. It might be a bowling league, a softball league. Um, it could be something in the arts community, but they will belong to something else, and they will be su- super committed to it. And then the last thing is the, p- to become. And so we're in, in Christ, we are becoming all that we were originally designed to be. So we have traded the lie for truth. We're allowing truth to continually wash over us, and we're becoming more and more like Christ. If not, then we will be becoming more and more like something else. So when people say, oh, well, you know, Christianity is for weak people, and sometimes some of you young people are starting off in college, you're going to be influenced by people who say things that seem anti-Christianity. Look at their lives, and you will notice they believe in something. They belong to something, and they are becoming something. And what you have to ask yourself is, what do I want to become? Do I want to become more and more like Christ? Because the only pathway for me doing that is for him working something into my life, and first of all, justifying me, then sanctifying me, and ultimately glorifying me. And if you're not intentional about that, then you will um, unintentionally become and belong to something else. And so in this chapter 6, Paul starts to shift, and he's like, this is how all this stuff begins to play out in our lives. This is what it means for us. And so we're going to jump right in there. It's a long reading. Stay with me. There's a lot of truth that Paul is dropping on us. And basically what, he's, what he starts with is, is um, well, a lot of people who thought as he was teaching this that, man, if you teach this stuff about grace... And how amazing grace is, then um, people they're just gonna sin more because if you're saying that 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 Adam sinned and, and the law brings more sin in, then and more grace comes when more sin exists, and why not just sin more so that more grace comes to the planet? Paul starts and he says, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? For if we've been united with Him in a death like His, we will certainly also be united with Him in a resurrection like His. For we know that our old self was crucified with Him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we died with Christ we believe that we also will live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, in the same way he's talking to us, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. What then, he says. So he starts to repeat himself. When when the word does this, you know this is a very important truth. He says the same thing in in a different way. What then? Shall we sin because we're not under the law but under grace? By no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey, whether you are slaves to sin which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. I'm using an example from everyday life because of your human limitations. Just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. Meaning, <laughs> like when you used to be a slave to sin, you didn't even think about righteous stuff. But what benefit did you reap at that time From the things that you are, except for the things that you are now ashamed of. Those things result in death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Just a ton of theology in chapter six, okay? But we're only going to deal with a little bit of it. And I think there are critical things here in order to help you to grow in the Lord. In order, what I see, what the Lord has taught me, is how to focus on all that you are like if you want to become all that you're supposed to be in Christ and you you're like man i see some people i look up to them and i'm i'm like man i want to i want to have a, a life experience that is like that how do i how do i get to the place where that individual is well what you do not do is focus on what you are doing <laughs> if you focus on what you are doing and you try to do better you will only end up becoming a self righteous pharisaical hypocrite, okay? Because you cannot do enough to be what you're supposed to be. You have to focus on what you already are. And if you're going to focus on what you already are, here's your first takeaway. Take Christian living depends on Christian learning. It's the bottom line. If you are going to live for the Lord Jesus Christ, if you are going to um, uh, live from what what it is, is that you are already justified, so you have already won the battle. When when you you look at the whole war, that's already been won and decided for you. You know him. If you are going to live for him and and fight from this position of victory, then you need to be learning. Because learning um, in the Christian life is what helps us to continually expose our minds, expose our hearts, expose our lives to more truth that helps us understand more about who we are so what we believe becomes essential. So I live on a cul-de-sac. And on my cul-de-sac, there are six houses. And of those six houses, there's some pretty nice yards. And of the six yards, mine is the worst, okay? Mine looks like those sound panels right now it's just brown and dormant. Now why is that? That is because a few weeks ago, uh, my sprinkler went on the blink. The the control module just quit working. And so my yard is not receiving water. Their yards are still receiving water, and we're in this drought. My yard is burning up, and it is brown, and it has a little bit of green in it. And so it has not continued to Receive what is necessary for it to stay in a green state. That's what learning is for the believer. As soon as you quit learning, then you will still love Jesus. My yard's still grass. Uh, You will still belong to Jesus. It still belongs to me. It just doesn't look very good. And it especially does not look good next to my neighbor. Tony, his yard, man, he must put so much nitrogen on his yard. It just pow. And it's making my yard look like, whoa, right? And so I've got to get that water on my yard. And if you don't get the water of life continually coming to you, you will go in a drought stage. You'll still belong to Jesus. You'll still love Jesus. You'll just be dried up and brown and in a dormant state, and nothing will be happening in your life. Then you become vulnerable because you're not becoming what you're supposed to be, and you probably do not belong to the things that you're supposed to belong. It's easy for your church attendance to start waning. You start to forsake the assembling of yourself with the body of Christ. You start missing here and there, and then you get a little bit more dormant. And so then you start to belong to something outside of the church, and then it isn't very long Uh, before you're believing something else. And so it is critical, it is critical that you never stop learning. And so for us to continue to learn, we got to know what it is that um, we believe. And then we got to keep like washing our minds with that. And Paul will teach us that. He will teach us that we are um, to renew our minds by the washing of the word. Man, the, the, the gospel writers and the uh, uh, apostles write this in their letters that we just continually renew our minds. We think on things that are pure and right and lovely. And as we do that, we continue into this place of growth. And so there's a couple of things before I leave this point um, that I want to draw your attention to. And the first one, that again, because you don't focus on what you're supposed to do. You focus on what has already been done. And then as you're focusing on what has been done and you're believing and you're receiving that, then it will begin to transform your life. And you will start to to leave this phase of dormancy and start to to grow again. Verse 3, he talks about baptism, and he says this, or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Now, what in the world does that mean? Well, that is referring to spiritual baptism, and he will go on to talk about, right after this, water baptism to use it as an example. What is spirit baptism? Spirit baptism is when a person moves from being a son of Adam, they're in Adam, to now they believe in Christ, and they are in Christ, and now they are uh, a son of God because they have left the the seed of Adam, and now they're remade in Christ, and they're a new creation. And so when that happens, we are indwelt with the Holy Spirit. Now, there are some groups out there, you'll hear some people teaching that you get saved at a certain point and then you're baptized in the Spirit later. The Scripture doesn't teach that. The Scripture does not teach that at all. The Scripture teaches is that whenever you come to know Christ, you receive the Holy Spirit right then and there. He is on you, okay? He is in you. He's not on you, He is in you. You are indwelt with the Holy Spirit. You have been baptized in the Spirit. So whenever you... um, come to know the Lord, that's when you've experienced spiritual baptism. In verse 4, he says, therefore, let me pick it up here. Uh, He says, we were therefore, since we were spiritually baptized, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may have a new life. So we are baptized in the Spirit, meaning, remember John the Baptist says, I baptize you with water, but one who will come after me will baptize you with the Spirit and fire. That's spiritual baptism, okay? After we have been baptized in the Spirit, then the, the Lord calls us to be baptized in water, and so we, we practice baptism by immersion. Why do we do that? Because we believe that's what the scripture teaches you're supposed to do. We don't do it because we belong to a certain denomination. We believe it, or we do it because we believe that's what the word teaches. It very clearly, the word baptize means to immerse. And he says that when you are baptized into Christ's death, what it, you are immersed into the death of Christ. Therefore, he says, we follow in baptism and you are immersed into the water. And that is a symbol, uh, an outward symbol of what has transformed in your life inwardly. When you get baptized, <laughs> if I fill up the water back here and I called you all up and started baptizing you, nobody's sins is getting washed away right there. Nobody. Zero. Zero. There is nothing holy about that water. It's coming right from the city of Overland Park. It's coming raining down. We're opening a valve. You're getting in a large tub and we are immersing you in water. The reason we are immersing you in water is because you have said that I have been immersed in the spirit of God. I have been forgiven and I'm dying to my old way. So just as Jesus was buried, we're going to put you down in the water. And just as Jesus rose from the dead and had new life, you're going to come back out of the water and you're testifying to everyone present that I have received spiritual baptism. I've been born again. I have new life in Christ and in obedience I'm coming to profess before you that I'm a follower of Jesus. Okay, so that's what Paul is is teaching here. And in that, he says that we too may live a new life. So in all of these things, we are receiving something new. This is the word kairos. And the word kairos in the Greek means new in kind. There's another word um that is used is called chronos that talks about time and that is like how much chronos will it be before jimmy ends this sermon today that's chronos kairos is how long will do you listen to jimmy talk until something new spiritually happens in your life newness is when the lord speaks to you through the word and something new comes into being so when you receive spiritual baptism first of all you're receiving a new life and it is a new kind of life and the old life is going away and and the reason that I wanted to take some time to 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 uh, teach this is because you have to understand that you are coming alive in Christ. There, like when we say you have faith, this is what you believe. You believe you were dead and you came to spiritual life. And anybody who isn't baptized in the Spirit is still spiritually dead. And you believe in faith that that's what it, it, Jesus accomplished on the cross of Calvary. And you believe in faith that that has happened inside of your life. And and the, and that is. The, the truth of the gospel itself. If Satan keeps you ignorant, he will keep you impotent. You will have no power. And so here I'm in this situation. I use this illustration about my yard and, and it's not like growing because it's gone into this dormant phase because I couldn't get water to it. Well, I went down to Home Depot and I bought me this fancy schmancy little new brain for $100 and wired it up and took the old school one out. You just water the yard right now, man. Right there, zone one just started watering. So take that, Tony, right? <laughs> My yard right now, that, that's how easy it was for me to water the yard. That's how easy it is for us to learn about the Lord. You get your phone out, you open up an app, you read a little bit of scripture, you wash your mind in it, and you start to believe it, and you will begin to learn and you will leave this place of being impotent and you will start to grow as the Lord nurtures you and you're washing your mind in truth. So the first thing you need to take away from today's talk and out of Romans chapter 6 is Christian living depends on Christian learning. Now here's the second thing. This is so important. All right, is I am not a remodeled sinner. I am a remade saint. This is so important for you to live out your faith journey with the Lord. God is not only concerned with our status. Immediately when we meet Christ and we're indwelt with the Spirit and we are spiritually baptized in the Spirit, we receive the Spirit then our status is changed. We move from unrighteous to righteous simply because we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. We call upon his name and we have been saved. But he's also concerned with our, our, our state and that is sanctification. Now, in the end, our status and our state will be identical. In other words, whenever Christ calls me home, whenever the, um, Christ redeems the entire world and, and time is no more, then my status of righteousness and my state uh, of of where I am uh, in glory becomes identical. Right now, they're not identical. That's why Paul says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. I'm working something into my life that has been given to me, and I'm going through the process of, of sanctification. And so that is a growth process that I'm constantly in. The old man or the old woman was crucified with Christ. This is very, very important. To believe the good news of the gospel is to believe the old man, the old woman, is dead. Like, just as Jesus died on the cross, when he doesn't say that we are being, we are dying to ourselves, he says That when you were baptized into Christ's death, it's as if when you are spiritually born again, all of a sudden you were there on Calvary and you died that death with Christ. Just as he shares his life with you in the resurrection, you share in his death. And so the same could be said of, uh, of how we share with Christ in his virgin birth. You say, how do we share with Christ in the virgin birth? Christ was Uh, In Mary, conceived of the Holy Spirit. And in order for us to be followers of Jesus, to be transformed and indwell and spiritually baptized by Christ, we must be conceived by the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 6, Jesus said, nobody comes to the Father unless the Father draws him unto himself. That is the conceiving of the Holy Spirit. The only thing I can do in that process is say yes to Jesus. That's it. I can say, yes, I believe on Christ. I'm calling on Christ. I'm asking Christ to forgive me of my sins. And I'm believing in the sacrifice he made on the cross of Calvary. And when I do that, the Jesus said that's what he meant when he was talking to Nicodemus, you must be born again. All of a sudden I'm born spiritually. And I have associated like I am, I am in Christ's death uh, on the cross of Calvary. I am in Christ's life as well. And so um sin, this what this means is that sin and death have no dominion over us. They have no rule. Like Jesus paid the penalty and he broke the power of sin. This is not a command to become dead to sin. God is saying you are dead to sin. Believe that. You got to start believing that. You, You believe I am dead to sin. To live out your new life fully, you must know and believe that you are not what you used to be. Belief is not crucifying what is already dead. Makes about as much sense for us to let's just crucify Christ over and over. Hebrews says you can't do that. He was crucified once and he rose from the dead. There is no body. He is imperishable. And when we are baptized into Christ, we are dead to sin, just like we receive righteousness. I see some of you going, well, wait a minute. Here, I know Jesus, and I'm still struggling with sin. (laughs) Well, let's go on. Your body is not only Jesus's temple, it's his tool. I'm just showing you, I'm not saying that that sin is not there anymore. What I'm saying is what has happened transactionally is you are dead to it. The old man is dead. The new man is alive. Verse six says that um, since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Well, that's verse nine. I got to get better contacts. For we know that our old self was crucified with Him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. That is the Greek word kartageo and it means render inoperative. It does not mean annihilated. It means it's inoperative. So sin is there, but it, it doesn't have the ability to control me like it used to do. I'm dead to sin, but alive to God. I'm to believe that. In verse 11 and 12, look at these. He says, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. We learned about that reign last week. It means to give a kingly authority and influence. Sin is not to do that in my body because I am dead to sin. And so, I'm dead to sin, and I don't let let it reign in my body. Instead, I am to offer myself to God. I don't offer myself to sin. I offer myself to God, and I am to believe that. I'm dead to sin. I'm alive to God. I'm dead to sin. I'm alive to God. And that's what we need to be thinking. We need to go away from this place not thinking, I'm going to try to do A, B, C, or D. All you're going to do is become a Pharisee. You need to walk out of this place, and you need to think, and I am dead to sin, and and I'm I'm alive to God in Christ Jesus. That just makes me feel good inside. That immediately makes me feel like I can gain victory over something in my life. Instead of allowing it to constantly tell me that I am something else, that I'm a failure, that I cannot do it, you have to believe what has happened. Now, he says here, that do not become an instrument. Look at verse, verse 13. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. Instrument. Is a Greek word hopline, and it means a tool, more specifically, a tool of weaponry used in warfare. And so we are not weapons of wickedness, but weapons of righteousness. Verse 14 says, Sin is not my master, Jesus is. So sin is not my master. I am a weapon of righteousness. And if I allow sin to be my master, you say, well, what is sin? Hey, what is sin? You drank too much last night. Is that sin? No. Sin, Now that would be sin. You get drunk. That's sin, okay? I'm not saying that. Sin is not doing what God has asked you to do. That's what sin is. When, when, when it, whether it be in the negative and, and it's something that is destructive to you, your body, or whether it be in the positive and God says, you need to bake a cake and go, take it over to your neighbors. And you say, no, I don't have time to do that. That's sin too. Sin is rebelling from what God is saying to you. and say, so, well, how do I know what God said that, that, that I'm supposed to take a cake to somebody? Like, I've never heard God say that. Well, you better first know what God is saying in His Word before you ever start get, getting sensitive to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. You need to know that you're soaking and immersing yourself in truth and that you're learning what it means to follow Christ and letting that pour over your mind. And you start to hear and recognize the voice of God because you clearly begin to see as the truth of the word of God speaks to you and you start looking at your life and you're going, I'm sinning right here and I didn't even know it. Then you start offering yourself up to God as an instrument of righteousness. You yield that to him. And when you yield that to him, he starts to produce uh, fruit, freedom, freedom, fruit, freedom and favor. There's a lot of Fs, okay? Thankfully, the wrong F didn't come out there. There's a lot of things that the Lord produces in you when you start yielding that you offer yourself up as 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 a, a weapon of righteousness to him so yielding to God starts to bring that in your life and 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 so you're you're not trying to do you're just thinking about what you are and allowing the Lord to show you more and more of what it is that you are and then as you see what you are you start wanting to yield to it and as you yield He begins to wield you in his hands as a weapon to bring heaven to earth. This is why he said to them, whenever you pray, he said, teach us to pray, Lord. He said, when you pray, pray like this. Our father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And as I yield and offer myself up as a tool of righteousness, because I know that's what I am. I am a weapon in the hands of the king himself. He wields me on this planet and righteousness, the kingdom of heaven starts to fall on the planet in a greater capacity because sin is not ruling over me. Jesus is. This is what it means to follow Christ. And anything short of trying to live that out is is discouraging. It is just absolutely discouraging. This is what we need to be believing. And that brings us to the big idea. Don't earn wages. Receive the gift. Like sinners earn wages. That's what it says in verse 23. It says the the wages of sin is death. Death for the wages of sin is death, and sinners earn that wage. And that death means eternal separation from God. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So death is the only wage that sin can pay. Sinners earn wages. Believers don't earn anything. They just receive from God. And when they think about what it is that they've received, and they believe what it is that they've received, and they constantly dwell on that truth, and just like I can water my yard at my fingertips, I'm just constantly watering my spiritual life with the truth of God's word, then all of a sudden the fruit and the freedom and the favor of God start to fall on my life, and I start producing in the kingdom, and the life of faith is lived here and now. And so right now, I'm walking by faith. Paul says we walk by faith, not by sight. And so I walk believing this, and as I'm receiving this, it's, const- it's constantly re- renewed in my life. It is the renewal of my mind. It is the renewal of my heart. And as I'm, I'm receiving that, I'm doing it in faith, and I'm, I'm not walking by sight. But the day will come when well, Christ will call me home, or he will come to reclaim the planet for his own. And at the final consummation of the age, I will no longer walk by faith. I will walk by sight, and I will be like him in all of his glory. He is the first fruits of the resurrection. And so life is lived by faith here and now, by sight then and there. And the believer letting sin reign. If you let sin reign in your life, and we're not saying that you don't ever sin, we're saying there's a difference in sin and reigning in your life and and Jesus reigning in your life. If you let sin reign as a believer, it's like when, when Jesus called forth Lazarus. Lazarus is dead, he's in the tomb for four days. He said, come forth. And he came out of the tomb and Jesus said, loose him from the grave clothes and let him go. It would make about as much sense for Lazarus to put the grave clothes on and walk back in the tomb as it would for the believer to be mastered by sin, to live in sin. And so Paul is saying, don't do that, man. He said, well, why... Why does it feel like I wanna go back in the tomb? Because the tomb is filled with idols that your body loves and you haven't recognized that your body died at Calvary with Jesus and you are not letting Jesus reign. You are depending on Jesus for salvation and you are dormant, brown grass and you will never grow to all the green that you were supposed to be and still you start believing what Christ has done and looking outside the tomb because the tomb is filled with idols and idols are pleasurable to the flesh And the kids have been learning about idols today. This morning, if you have kids down there, we didn't encourage you to talk to them about Isaiah uh, chapter 44. I think it is in your bulletin there. I put it in there, verse 19. Isaiah gets a word from the Lord, and he says, a person doesn't stop to think. He doesn't stop to think Then he uses a block of wood. And out of that block of wood, out of that log, he will build a fire and keep himself warm. And out of that block of wood, he will... Front on that fire, cook himself something to eat, and then he would take a piece of it and carve it into an idol and worship it. If he would just stop and think, he would go, what am I doing? What am I doing? At the age of 22, I knew Jesus as Savior. And I was at a very broken place in my life. And I posed the question to myself as I was being mastered by sin. Like I was living in sin, even though I knew Jesus. I finally asked myself, why am I living this way? Why why would I, if I really do believe this, why would I live this way? Man, I quit looking in the tomb and I started looking out at the kingdom and the kingdom got a hold of my life and I started watering my life with truth and I've never looked back. Now, I have sinned along the way. I have stumbled. But sin has never mastered me. Jesus is my master. And when I get caught up in sin, I want to recognize it. I want to walk away from it. Not because I'm trying to be good. It's because I'm free, man. And the favor of God, the freedom of God, and the fruit that he wants to produce are growing in my life as I walk this out. I think... In closing, like I think this is why a lot of people look at the church and they say it's filled with hypocrites, because they don't understand that. Because they look at a believer and they go, "Well, man, he, look at what he did right there. I mean, if he if he if he if he knew the Lord, would he really do that?" Well, a person can really know the Lord and stumble. Because their righteousness is not based on what they're earning. That's what a sinner does. A sinner earns wages. And the wages that sin pays is death, which is separation from God. A believer doesn't earn anything. Nothing. He just receives. And he receives a gift. And so sometimes a person can look at them and go, well, you know, They've got some stuff broken in their lives. Yeah, they might have some stuff broken in their lives, but what is right about them is Jesus, and that's it. And everything is banked on Jesus. And when I believe that, and I believe I'm dead to sin, that it doesn't have mastery over me, it doesn't have to rule me, it doesn't have to control me, then all of a sudden this Christianity thing starts to be a whole lot of fun. But it is no fun at all to live with your life wrapped in grave clothes when Jesus said you're not dead. You live like a dead man when you're alive. That is a broken way to live. And Christianity will leave you discouraged. It will leave you feeling hopeless. It's because you're trying to be something that you're not. Once you're remade in Christ, you never do go back into the tomb. And if you try to do that, Your life will stink. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word, the simplicity of it. We pray, Lord, that as we sit in Romans, that as a body of believers, we would believe the truth and allow the truth to set us free. I thank you for these good people who are here this morning. I pray, Lord, that truth would rain down upon them. That, Lord, we would all be a, a community of peoples, that, people that belong to each other and continually water each other's lives and water our own lives with the truth of the gospel. And may we be able to take the good news of the gift of life to those around us who are still dead and in Adam. We love you, we thank you, and we pray these things in Christ's name, and amen. As you sit with the Lord here during this worship song, as if you've never given your life to Christ, you've never said yes to Jesus, and the Holy Spirit is trying to conceive that spiritual birth in you this morning, it's as simple as praying and recognizing the gospel for what it is. Jesus is offering life to dead people who are broken and marred by sin. And when we say yes to Jesus, we are forgiven and justified. And then that sanctification piece starts to take place. So amen, that's the most important question in life. And I encourage you to worship the Lord there before you try to worship him anywhere else. Thank you for listening to audio from Overland Park Community Church in Overland Park, Kansas. For more information, visit us online at overlandpark.cc.